Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to preach to you differently today, and I believe that today is going to be a life-changing moment for everybody in this room, if you'll let it happen. I really believe that God's already spoken, and He's already revealed to us. And so I'm going to speak to you. I wish I could tell you that every part of the message that I'm going to give to you is mine. It's not. Very seldom do I do this, but I'm taking from somebody else's message and I'm going to use it because when I heard it, it went off in me and I couldn't get away from it. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to bring it and share it with you. And today I'm going to talk about reversing the curse, the power of blessing. Reversing the curse through the power of blessing. As a starting passage, I want you to go with me to the book of Proverbs chapter 22, to one passage of Scripture that we'll use there to start with today. I've got several verses, some I'm just going to share some stories, and then we're going to see what God will do after that. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 3. And again, I'm so glad all of you are here. Everybody is so special, and I'm just so glad you're in the house. Proverbs 22 verse, uh, verse 3. I think I got the wrong verse. But I'm going to read it to you. Somebody can find it if I haven't. I've got it marked wrong. It's not what. But the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and it addeth no sorrow. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and it addeth no sorrow. I want to read that to you from the Passion Translation. I wrote the wrong verse down, the wrong chapter and verse, I guess. So, but it's in the book of Proverbs. Believe me, it's in the Bible. <laughs> the Passion Translation, it reads it like this. True enrichment comes from the blessing of the Lord with rest and contentment in knowing that it comes from Him. And the word contentment means this. There's no labor or sorrow attached. So true enrichment. When you think about blessing, you gotta th you got to get beyond thinking just about coins and green stuff. Although that's good stuff. And the Bible said, uh, what is it? Money answers all things. Or it's part, we know that's true and we got to have it. But when God is talking about you being rich, He's going way beyond just the green stuff in your pocket. So true enrichment comes from blessing of the Lord with rest and contentment and knowing that it comes from Him. No labor and sorrow attached. After Easter, I uh, usually as I come in and do my thing, I, I just felt I wanted to just go around and watch some of the YouTube services from different pastors that I follow, see what was being spoke over the region, and really kind of sniffing out, see what God did. You, you know, that's what I like to do. I want to know what God is doing in other places. And I happened to go to, to the church of His presence, Pastor John Kilpatrick. And his Easter Sunday morning message was on the blessing of the Lord, which really kind of caught me by surprise. I don't know why it did, but it just did. And I felt like I needed to sit and I needed to pay attention to it. Actually, I'd heard it before. 
If you don't know who John Kilpatrick is, me and Diane have had the privilege of being in his church several times and just outside of Mobile. He's been here on this platform, preached for us. He's preached throughout the region. He's been here in the city and I think he was at Cape First a number of years ago. He's preached all over the region and a well-known uh, pastor. He's also a revivalist. He, w- he led the Pensacola revival that started in 95 and went for five years. And so he's very respected. And he was sharing a story in there that no doubt you've heard. And I'm going to share some of the stories, so hang on. I believe some of it's going to make sense for you. He talked about at the, at when the Pensacola Revival, how they had prayed for years. And he said one of the keys that he felt that was just as important for revival as praying was the power of blessing. They built a building just before a new auditorium just before Pensacola uh, had broke out. Matter of fact, I see my friend Charlie back here this morning. Charlie, we're glad you're in the house of God, alive and well, praise God. Your quota of sick is over. I'm telling you that today. No more. So he said as they got this church underway, he said he wanted, he just felt he wanted an orchestra in his church. So he went to his church board and said, I'd like to make an adjustment in this, in this building program and in the plans, and I want, us to put a, I want us to put an orchestra pit in. That little change of plans, and you know, Matt, you go into these churches all the time and rearrange things, was a $40,000 adjustment to the plans. Not just building a hole in the ground or however it would be built, sound, wiring for sound and everything would have to be put in. It just changed a lot of dynamics. So he began to announce after they got it, you know, everybody was for it. He said, if we build it, I'm just believing they're going to come. We'll have a great orchestra. We'll, this thing will fill the room. We're going to so enjoy it. So after they got the building field, he began our building underway. He started announcing to everybody in the church, if you play a brass instrument, you know, an an instrument for the orchestra, we want you to come. Our worship leader has wrote music for you. It's going to be grand. It's going to be such a great, great difference to the church. And he says, as they went along, made announcement after announcement after announcement, not one person came to him to say, I want to be a part of the orchestra. He gets it built. They have their first, they have their dedication day. This auditorium seats 2,500, 3,000 people. It's absolutely jam-packed. He said people were everywhere for our, uh, you know, grand opening for their dedication service. And he was so wanting to have an orchestra, but nobody was in the pit. Not one player was anywhere around. Matter of fact, I think in order to get one, he he hired a guy to come from Mobile, paid $75 to get one trumpet player, and he said he even couldn't play, and he showed up. And he said he was so upset that it bothered him. He was so upset, God, I, I, I put this thing in, and he just began to go on and on and on. And he said here was his, his daily or weekly routine. As they moved into that building, he would go to the church every Saturday night to pray while nobody was there. And he said he had come in and there is that pit. That stupid orchestra pit. You $40,000 mistake. 
He was going on and on and on about that pit. And it was just messing greatly with him. Until one Saturday night, he shows up. He's messed up. He's having a rough time. He said, it bothered me so bad, I was beginning to worry about myself. And he said, I'm here, and I'm here standing next to the pit on a Saturday night. The lights are out, and I'm praying. And he said, I just begin to say, Holy Spirit. He said, I just kind of begin to cry out to the Holy Spirit. I built this, and nobody come. And he said, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, Quit cursing it. Quit cursing it. He said, what do you mean? He didn't have a clue of what was going on. He had gotten so upset, so messed up with an empty pit that he was was saying, you stupid pit, you big mistake, you this and you that, until it began to mess with him so bad until the Holy Spirit began to speak to him. He said, it actually embarrassed me so bad that the Holy Spirit would tell me that you've got to quit cursing it. And he went home that night. It's Saturday night. He's going to preach the next morning. He already had his message wrote and prepared for Sunday morning. He said all through the night, every time I'd roll over, I'd hear those words. Holy Spirit would say, quit cursing it. I'd get up and go to the restroom, he said. I'd hear those words, quit cursing it. To finally said, Lord, please let me sleep. If you'll just let me get some sleep, I promise you, I'll get before you Monday morning. I'll push the plate back, I'll sacrifice, and I'm going to lay before you and let you show me what it means, why I'm, what I've been doing not to curse the pit. Because in his mind, he said, I've always thought the only curses out there would be the curses of witchcraft, the curses of sorcery, the curses, you know, that the, that the ungodly of this world would try to put on us. And here, this preacher of the gospel that is preached and led revival is founding, finding now that God is challenging his heart and he's saying, quit cursing it. He didn't say cussing it. There's a difference. Cussing is speaking profanity. That's not a curse. It's just profanity that you shouldn't use. But he was cursing it. He was causing it to be inactive. He was causing it to be empty. He was causing it not to produce. And he went before the Lord and the Lord began to speak to him. And began by the Spirit of God. Began to show him began to show him that he was cursing it, and now, instead of cursing it, he was to bless it to be what it was intended to be. So now he goes back after repenting. There was a process. He goes back and he repents, and he began to bless it. He repented for God for cursing that which had been put in and that which had done. Matter of fact, he just said it like this. He said, I got in there. I went to the, I went to the pit and said, Orchestra pit, I repent. That I've cursed you. I'm sorry that I have spoke evil of you. I'm sorry that I told you you were a $40,000 mistake. And today I renounce those words. And I revoke those words. And today I bless you. And he said from that moment that he did that. He said it was a wind came into that room. Like it did on that day when revival broke out. He said I literally heard it swirling around the room. He said, something totally settled in my heart. Something settled in my heart. I looked at that pit totally different. He said, I started coming to church different. 
He said, I came to the next service. I didn't even worry about it. It still was empty. I came for like three or four weeks. Nothing happened. Then they get a call from a former member that had moved away. Hang on, I'm I'm teaching you something this morning. He said, I got a call from a former member that had moved away. And they were talking to them about coming back and said, Brother Kilpatrick, we're considering coming back and I've applied for a job somewhere there. I think the uh, Pensacola school system. And I believe I'm going to get the job and we'd like to come back and be a part of the church. We miss you and your wife so much. And and he said, I'm going to be in town. And Brother Kilpatrick said, well, why don't you come? You guys can just stay with us in our home. And as he's getting ready to hang up, the the gentleman said, Hey, Brother Kilpatrick, are you still there? And he said, Yes. He said, I don't know that you ever knew this, but he said, I was a trumpet player for years, and I played in the church that we've been at. Would you mind if I bring my trumpet back, and I bring it with me so that I can play in the service on that Sunday? Of course, Brother Kilpatrick, in his humor, the way he does said, You better not get on that plane without that trumpet. And he said, that brother came, and after that, he said it was only a few Sundays. He said that 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 orchestra pit was absolutely filled with orchestra instruments from everything you can imagine, even to a big old boy that was a tuba player that said when the Spirit of God would come upon him, he would get to dancing in that pit with the tuba, and everybody would have to bow. God filled it. Matter of fact, he said, I even got to the point like this. He said, I got to the point where I had to quit asking the people. So we got no more room. We don't need anybody else. But see, he reversed the curse through the power of blessing. You see, we're designed to walk in blessing. And we're designed to be a blessing. And we need to understand what that means. Let me tell you one more story from him. And then I want to I, I lay out some passages of Scripture for you. He said there was a young man in his church. A young man I would take, you know, a young adult. He said he was kind of hefty, kind of, you, you know, his hair was long. His, he always was kind of messed up. His shirt tail was always out. Never seemed to, you, you, know, you, you know, be groomed or anything like that. And he'd come to the church. But every time, Brother Kilpatrick said, every time he would get around him, he would go the other way. And he just didn't know who he was. But he knew he had been at the church for a number, for a pretty good while. And he said it was on a Sunday morning before service. Are you okay? It was on a Sunday morning before service. This young man came to him, looked totally different. He said, Brother Kilpatrick, I'm so-and-so. I just needed to share something with you. It's like just a few minutes before service. Do you mind? Do you have time if I share something with you? And Brother Kilpatrick said, I wasn't about to turn him away because he's never come to me. He said, I want to introduce myself. I've been coming. My name is such and such. And I'm so glad that I get to say hello to you this morning. And Brother Kilpatrick said, why haven't you done it before? He said, because I never felt worthy or important enough to be able to come near you and even shake your hand. But he said, let me tell you what happened. He said, I was listening to your message on blessing and the power of a blessing and how important it is to be blessed. And he said, I went to my father and I asked my father to bless me. And I want you to know the transformation that happened. 
He began to share the story. He said, my dad is a hard man. My dad was been a very difficult man. I, haven't, I hadn't seen my dad in years. He treated me bad. He taught me wrong. He told me how worthless I was, how I would never amount to anything. And he said, that's all I ever knew was about my dad, is what my dad would tell me, that I was worthless, that I was useless, that I couldn't do anything. He said, I have struggled to be able to keep a job. He said, I have just barely made enough to be able to pay my rent, to put food on my table. I have nobody in my life. I have no friends. I have no girlfriend. I have nothing going on. And I have lived this way my whole life until I heard your message. And he said, I somehow stirred the courage to go back to my father, who I hadn't seen in years, and asked my father if he would speak a blessing on me. He said when he pulled up to the house of his father, he said it took him a while to get out of the car, to even get the courage to go up to the door, to even look at his father. So when he got out of the car, went into the house, finally the father still being as crude and rude as he was, welcomed... <coughs> welcomed him like this. Son, I told you when you leave, there would be no place here for you. I told you you were worthless. I told you you would never amount to anything. I told you this, and he just began to rail upon him, and he hadn't seen him for years. And he said, what are you doing here anyway? He said, Dad, I got one favor to ask of you. Just one favor to ask of you. I heard my pastor preach. On the power of blessing. Dad, I have no friends. I have no family. I don't even really have a life. And you're what I got. And I'm here to ask you. If you would speak a blessing upon my life. He said, you don't have to look at me. You don't have to get close to me. I'll even go in the bedroom. My broom where I slept. And I'll shut the door and you can speak it through the door. But if there's any way in you that you could say one good thing about me, I'm asking you to speak it over my life. He said he went in the bedroom and closed the door. He said I could hear my dad pacing up and down that hallway trying to find something, just one good thing to say. He said it seemed like an eternity as dad was walking up and finally, Dad opened the door. And he reached out to him and he said, Son, I am so sorry that I have spoke that way to you. And he began to speak a blessing over him. He began to say, I hope that your life will change. I'm just paraphrasing because I can't remember it. He just began to speak good things finally over the young man. Something snapped in the young man's life at that moment. It literally broke the curse that was upon him as one of the closest people to him began to declare what God had intended for his life. He shared that with Pastor Patrick. He said, Pastor Kilpatrick, 
district. I'm here to let you know my life is totally changed. Pastor said he was groomed. His hair was combed. He even looked different. He now had a girlfriend for the first time in his life and is planning on getting married and where he was barely making enough to put food on his table. He had just, he had just I believe, had gotten hired by a, by a, a, a you know, an employer that was going to be paying him $20 an hour. Church, I'm here to tell you, there is power in our words. There are power. Listen, there's power in our blessing. There is power in the things that we are speaking and declaring over our lives and over our family. Say, Pastor, that never happens to me. It happens more than you realize. See, most of the time, there's two major times when we start cursing ourselves. Isn't it interesting? The people that know the most walk it out the least. There's two very important times used when we don't realize that we're cursing ourselves. They're one when we are frustrated and angry. And boy, don't the enemy know how to frustrate you and angry you. The car has a flat. This always happens to me. Every time I get ready to go somewhere, this always happens to me. Listen to what you're saying. You're cursing yourself and you wonder why it keeps happening over and over and over. This stupid thing doesn't work. This is the story of my life. You're creating, the Bible said, we are framing our world, we're framing our world with the words that come from our mouth. You see, James said it like this in his writing. I think, can you put that passage of Scripture from the book of James up? He says something like this. It's James, I got a lot of verses, and I don't know which ones all of them I want to use. I may have to do some more of this in another day. But in the book of James, it's chapter 3. He's talking about how, how important the tongue is. He said, we, we, control, we control a horse by a bit in its mouth. And he said, we can turn a big ship by a rudder, by a small rudder compared to what the ship is. But then he says in verse 6, he says, he says, even so, or verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. But see how great a forest fire, or forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And the tongue is so set among its members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature. Then in another place, look down at verse 8. I'm not going to read every verse. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Listen to verse 9. While we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. And James said, who has, been, who has been made in the similitude of God. He said, I bless God, but I curse men. None of us curse God. How do we go to God? God, you are wonderful. God, you are awesome. We sing about him this morning, how powerful he was. He's the miracle worker. He's the way maker. He's, God, you are beautiful. You are all of these things. But then we turn out of the same measure of the one, the Bible said we were all created in the image and the likeness of God. And we turn and we speak evil over each other. And not only do we speak it over each other, we speak it over ourselves. 
The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, verse, chapter 6, verse 2, you are snared with the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. In other words, you will be trapped by your promise and legally bound by your agreement. When you read that passage and keep it in context, he's talking about us going, making surety or getting in a contract with somebody. If somebody wants to loan you money and they come to you and you make a vow that you're going to do this, he said, now you are setting yourself up to be snared with your words, but you are being legally bound, listen, by your agreement. We wonder why the enemy works on us. Because we get in agreement with what we feel instead of what God said. We get ourselves in agreement by what I see in the mirror instead of who God said I was. I get myself in agreement, listen, with what other people have put on me instead of declaring who God said I was and what God had promised in my life. When we see the power of blessing, everything, it's made me, I had to go all the way back. Again, I can preach more things than Genesis, but I want you to hear something. Genesis 1, God creates everything, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be. What did God do? God spoke. His words are powerful, right? And God spoke, and light was. What did He call it? Light. He didn't call it darkness. He called it light. Light will always overcome darkness. Then he divided the heavens, the waters, and he divided the heavens from the earth. And then we find that he put the sun, moon, and the stars in all of its place. And then he began to call the earth into position. And this is what the Lord said about it. I've preached this many times, but I happen to look at it even different this morning. And God saw that it was good. What did God mean when he said it was good? You're exactly like I wanted you to be and intended you to be. You're not a mistake. You're not flawed. And then he goes on and he creates the oceans and he separates all of that, puts it in place. And I thought I preached it like this, that the only thing that the only thing that God blessed was on the sixth day, but that's not true. Because at the, at the end of the fifth day, after God saw that it was all good, you're exactly like I want you to be, then the Bible said God blessed it. He didn't just put his hand out and say, you're blessed. It was deeper than that. You have to understand, we only read a fraction of probably how the original prints and forms of the Bible have been because they've been revised so many times over years. But we've gotten enough to stand in faith and believe that the Bible is true. But I believe this is possibly what he did. He took Larry, he looked, at a, he looked at the giant oak and he said, Oak, you're going to grow to be strong. You will be solid. You will be unmovable and unshakable. And great will your roots go and deep into the earth and you will cover the earth as a, as a shade to keep it covered by day. I believe he no doubt spoke to the sun and said, Son, I have placed you there. You will remain bright all the days of creation. You will stay bright and vibrant and you will fulfill the days of times and seasons and all will be able to know what day it is because of you, Son. I believe he walked through every part of creation and he began to declare its purpose. He began to declare how vibrant and how wonderful it was. 
house. He spoke to the prophet Jeremiah and he said something like this. Before you were ever formed in your mother's womb, I already knew you and I have ordained you. And he said, I today call you a prophet of God and you will pull down, you will pluck up, but you're going to turn around and you're going to build up and you're going to make right. Paraphrasing. See, he began to speak his purpose even when it didn't look like it. See, I believe every one of you have been given three names. I believe you've been given a name by God. That God called you successful. God called you joyful. God called you healthy, prosperous, whole, and overcomer, victorious in every part of your life. Your mom and daddy gave you a name. Moms and dads, we're making big mistakes by trying to be cute. You don't have a clue of what some of these names that you're pulling out of the hat to put on Johnny. It could be something pagan, but you heard it and you thought it's cute because you don't practice like that. You think it has no value to it, but I promise you it's got more weight and more character than what you realize and have an impact. But you've also been given a name by the devil himself. If God can give you a name, Pastor, prove that to me through the word, then why does God call you out? Why does God call you failure? Why does God call you a dropout? Why does God call you, why does the enemy call you defeated? You know what I'm talking about. Why does the devil always seem to tell you you are inferior? You're not enough. If I could only be like somebody else, somebody would desire me. I'm telling you, that is not the will and the word of God over your life. But because you speak it. And some of you have heard it spoke over you. You've embraced not only an identity, but you have embraced a life. You've embraced a life that you weren't called to live at. And you have struggled and toiled. And listen, I'm not talking about just the world. I'm talking about church people. Hello? You see, when we get angry and frustrated and everything starts falling down around us, this is... Listen to the words out of your mouth. It always happens to me. It always happens to me. You think, well, there's nothing to that. I'm just frustrated at the moment. I shouldn't speak that. I got news for you. If you speak it once, you'll speak it again. Because the enemy will see that you're always messed up. He'll always see that you're angry. Sometime in our angry, we'll speak something over our family. We'll speak something over our kids. Out of our frustration, we'll even, we'll even speak things. We may have not spoken directly to them, but we'll speak things out of our mouth towards our spouses and towards our wives. And we wonder why in this world. I done a TV interview a number of years ago with the lady that was a witch. or with No, let me back that up. With the brother that had a witch had come into their meeting and they saw get delivered. And she was ranking way up in the order of, of, that, of that arena. Matter of fact, she knew for herself to give herself to Christ, they would probably kill her. And within a few weeks after, and literally within a few weeks after she gave her heart to Jesus, the family line somehow ever the witches killed her. Because that was the plan. But she was sent to destroy the house of God. And she told the pastor after... They had gotten, she had gotten delivered. She was sitting with them. And they were discipling her. And they wanted to learn from her. She said, we know how to come in and place a curse on churches. We know how to move people. 
First of all, we look for people where there's no fire in them. If they're casual and they're not burning and glowing for the Lord, this is, these are her words. If we don't see the fire of the Holy Ghost on them, they become prey and target to us. We can touch them. You don't know how important it is to keep your life on fire for God. But she said, we also look for the weakness in the church, and our plan is we want to destroy things. And in this one particular church, there was a spirit of lust upon the worship leader. And she knew it. She said, we see more than what most Christians know. She saw the spirit of lust on him, and she said, I can destroy that church. I'll attack him. You know how she did it? She began to attack the wife. And she began to speak, you will become undesirable. And that you are not desirable. And it wasn't long after that, that she began to go through, her weight began to change. And you know how it goes, ladies. Different things begin to happen. And her husband began to get frustrated with her because she wasn't that what she was when they first married, when she was, you know, that vibrant, young, passionate uh, young, young lady. And all of a sudden changed. And the next thing you know, he's, he's off looking for another woman. But something had been released. And no doubt he began to say those things with his own mouth. Feeding the flame of that. He may have not ever said it directly to her. But he said it into the atmosphere. It goes into our homes. Moms and dads, listen. This doesn't just affect you. It affects our families. It affects the peace and the joy of our homes. When we get angry. Frustrated. Here's the second area when we get fearful. How many's ever said, What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? What are we going to do? How, those are just a few things. What are we going to do? Gas is five, five dollars a gallon. How are we going to make it? You got to realize something. You know what you're doing? You're cursing yourself. You got to quit it. Look, I, I've never seen things so high, I've never seen it like this before. See, out of, our, out of our fear. You saw it the other day. Mama's all over the nation. Even I, I, I thought about it. I called my son up when I saw it on the news. Hey, there's a shortage of baby food. Because I know, I, know I know my son and daughter-in-law don't watch the news. I said, hey, just think you ought to know. You might ought to go to Walmart and pick up a few extra things. I didn't tell him it was all over. I just said, you might ought to know. But you see, if we're not careful, fear drives us. And fear creates us to begin to say things and do things that we, we've never dreamed. And we begin to speak curses out of our mouth. We would, COVID, oh my gosh, thank you. We're going to die. We're going to die. And you know what? People begin to live that way. All we talked about was death. It's coming. I wonder if it's going to touch any of my family. I wonder if it's going to... Who's the next one going to go? Even our church, we don't believe this stuff can have an impact. Are you okay? i got to land this jet. When we're angry, frustrated, when we're fearful. Here's another that just came to me. When we're disappointed. Anybody ever been disappointed? Things didn't work the way you thought they were going to work? Hey, I've been there many, many times. Been there with this church. 
Matter of fact, we don't realize how much curse has been spoken into this church. I'm not talking about from out. I'm talking about from within. Hello. Even like this, when you see people leave, I don't know what this church is going to do without them. Oh, pastor, I don't believe that has an effect. Oh, yes, it does. You have the coffee, you know, you have the dining room table or the table where everybody's hanging out together. I know it never happens to any of you. I must be talking to the people on the, on the live stream today, but... We get out, we, we complain about this. Man, it was this, it was too loud, it's this. And we start cursing everything in the room. You don't realize you're speaking a curse. And then we wonder why we can't get it in order. Let me give you a passage of Scripture, Genesis 1, when God created Adam. He said this, when He made man, Genesis 1, 28. And God made a male and female. And this is what the Word said. And God blessed them. And God blessed them. And this is how He blessed them. I believe He looked at Adam and Eve and He said this over them. Be fruitful. And you're going to multiply. You're going to have many wonderful, vibrant children that are going to grow up just like you and just like me. And you're going you're to multiply. They're going to fill all the earth. And then He said, subdue. I had to look up that word subdue again because I just never registered in me the, 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 the thought that I'd been bringing with it. But this is what he was saying. He said, I'm giving you the authority to put order in what is out of order. Hello? If your home is out of order, you're waiting for somebody else to come do it. God said, I've given you the authority to subdue, to put it in order. Order your world. Make it what it ought to be. Listen to us, church. Make it what it ought to be. What God designed it to be. Put it in order and you will have dominion. You will rule in life. Now I've got to land this jet because I want to pray with you. Brother Kilpatrick said the Lord taught him. He said, I didn't know these things. The Lord had to teach me. The Holy Spirit said, Pastor, I don't think you ought to Take a message from somebody else and preach it. Well, Paul said it like this. If you don't know it, those things that you see in me, those things that you've heard, those things that you've witnessed, just do it. If you follow me, it'll change your life. So brother, so the Lord spoke to him and said three things you got to do. One, you got to repent. What do you mean repent? It means to have a change of heart. It means to have a change of heart. It means to forsake the sin. In other words, sometimes you have to realize repentance is more than just saying, I'm going to turn around. I've got to, I've got to realize, wait a minute, I've been doing things wrong. I'm missing the mark. And then when you repent, it's like I'm hitting the reset. I'm going to reset my life. I'm going to start doing what's right. I'm going to get things in order. I got what they call a smartphone like many of you. Sometimes I think that's the stupidest thing on the planet. Or it's either in the hand of the guy, it's in the, probably the guy's whose hand it's in. My grandsons are, my grandchildren are smarter than I am with it. But there are, does come a time when that thing isn't functioning. And I can get so upset with it that I literally have to make what they would call, 
I guess you would say, a hard reset. You have to turn it completely off. Make it powerless for a few moments. Turn it around. And it'll come back on. And for whatever reason, it has another opportunity to function right. So he said, I begin to repent. Here's the second thing he said. You've got to renounce it. In other words, you've got to refuse what was once said. In other words, you've got to say to the things that you have cursed, even your own life, I refuse to live like that. That is not how I'm supposed to be. This doesn't happen to me all the time. You've got to refuse that. In other words, if you renounce something, you're refusing what you have spoke over it, but now you're going to say the way it's supposed to be. And with the help of Holy Spirit, you can now begin to say, my life is blessed, I walk in favor, everything I have need of is at my hand, and if I have a flat tire, praise God, I'm still going to be on time. Everything is going to work out in my good. You got to do that. Pastor, I don't believe it. Well, just stay in your pit. Just stay there. Then he said, You got to revoke it. I repent. I renounce it. What do you mean, revoke? In other words, I'm taking my legal authority by the power of the Holy Ghost to cancel the power of those words. Brother Kilpatrick says it like this. You are snapping the spine of that thing. And when you break the back of that thing, then it is lifeless. It is ineffective. It cannot move and cannot work again. And you've got to do that. You've got to declare you have no longer any right and any ability to work in my life. Curse, you are over once and for all. I've got to admit, I'll let you come back to the keys for me. As a pastor, as a pastor, out of disappointment, may have not meant it, you may have not ever heard me say it, but we no doubt have cursed what God started. No doubt. How did I do that? I've tried to sail this place three times. You may not have known it. But we tried to sell it three times. I couldn't even give it away. Getting out of it. This is too big. I got a parking lot over there that every time I pull up, I see a parking lot that was designed to hold hundreds of cars. We got material over there that is deteriorated, that is no good. We go to rebuild or whatever God will do. It'll have to be redone because it's, it's valueless now. Because a 1,500-seat auditorium was going to sit over there. Some of y'all may not ever known that. One day we were pushing eight, 900 people. We were blowing and glowing. We had the dream teams, everything we put our hand to work. And then one day, everything changed. Matter of fact, and not just in one day, in a matter of moments. I can't explain all of it, but I got so tired of looking, all of a sudden we go from 900 people, we're down to, we were pushing, if we had 100 people, we were doing good. Y'all want to know why Chris Strong showed up a couple of years ago? I called him, said, I'm done. I got to have somebody take it. Maybe a younger man will be able to handle this. Maybe a younger dude 
maybe with a better haircut and could wear skinny jeans and a t-shirt. Maybe he's the guy that can make it happen. I called him in. Yeah, we talked about him being our successor. Thought he would hang on around us, but even God shut that door. Me and Chris didn't have a falling out. He just found another door open and God released us to release him to go do it. See, I was letting it all go. By me even talking about selling it, I was telling God he wasn't able. He wasn't big enough to do it. And no doubt, I was cursing the vision that God, in the last couple of years, especially since this politic, political thing and everything that's been going on, it's pursued. We've been following people at The Lord spoke to me one day through a book by Dutch Sheets about the green tree. About when God started, when He placed Him as head over Christ for the nations. If y'all remember that Sunday, I stretched a rope across this house. And I gave some of you pieces of it. I talked about how I had untied from it. I was still in love with God, still moving. But I'd still had gotten away from the plan. And I realized through that book, December, we're going to celebrate 25 years and we're going to party. And it's going to be more than a cupcake after service on Wednesday night. I don't know what it'll look like, but we're going to party. Because I've come to this great revelation. He didn't bring me here to start something. He didn't bring us here to start something new. He brought us here to fulfill something that was started years before I ever got here. That people had prayed through. And now we're only fulfilling what had always been in the heart of God. Yes, my part was to bring in a new facility and everything else. And I still believe it. You know how I know that? You know how I know that? I've been around too many building projects. Brother Ed, you might know this. I've watched more churches split over a building project. I've watched them split over how it would look. I've never had one person in all these years come to me and tell me we've made a mistake. Not one. Not one person rose up against me and told us we shouldn't have done that. You may have thought that, but you never come. You never walked out of the room and got in my face like I had seen most churches happen. And churches split over that. Matter of fact, that man right back there, Tom Keller, I remember as we were making plans, we stepped out in faith. And I heard you say with your mouth, Pastor, if we're going to do it, let's do it all the way. We stepped out by faith, Judy. Easter Sunday, we broke ground out there. Didn't have a fraction of the money needed. I don't know why things worked the way they did. I believe God was going to do something so supernatural. I believed it with all of my heart. And I still know that it's God. You know how I know that we've been in the plan of God? Because God gives this house a miracle. Every month when our payment was $30,000 a month, it would still come in out of nowhere, out of a people that are not rich. God kept bringing everything and He still does it today. He's done it, Miss Judy. You've watched it. See, I begin to give up on it. And I've had to go back and say to my vision that God put in our heart. 
I'm sorry. Facility, I'm sorry. Property, I'm sorry. I wanted to get rid of you. I'm sorry I didn't think you would be able to do it. I repent of it this morning. I want you to stand with me. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry. And I repent of any word that has ever been spoke over this place from me or anybody in this room. I repent of it today. And I push the reset. I don't know how, God. But I know you. I know you are able. I know you are able. And if you don't, I still know you are. I know you are. And if it's not in my lifetime, then may the next generation fulfill everything, Father, that you have planted and you started even before us to bring forth on this piece of ground. Even when we tried to get away, we renounce it. We call this place the place of God, the city of God, the place that you designed to do a great work where people would come of every color of all walks of life and would encounter you and the power of God, the power of your spirit would be at work in every service and would touch every life and signs, wonders and miracles. Healing would be a vibrant part of this work. We renounce this place now. We call it what you call it, a place of miracles, a house of miracles.